Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Come on, who's excited to be at church today? Anybody? Yeah. We are glad that you're here. You look good this morning. I'm going to run through. Um, this is a lot of things coming up, and we love to tell you, uh, really through the whole month of January while we're in December. So I'm going to run through these really quickly, but just want you to know uh, what's coming. Obviously, this Friday is our Christmas service, and we want you to be here. It's Friday night. be from 6 to 7 p.m. Uh, candlelight service. Bring the family with you. Uh, it's Christmas songs, a Christmas story, communion. It's just a beautiful time to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so we want you to be here for Christmas at Impact this Friday night at 6 o'clock. And then next Sunday, Christmas Eve, we will be online only. And so our Christmas service is on Friday night instead of Sunday morning, but we do have a special Christmas Eve message that will be online. We'll be on Facebook at 9 o'clock and then uh, 1045 on YouTube, just how we stream the services on a regular basis. So don't forget about that. And then Sabbath Sunday is December 31st, where we won't have any services that weekend. And then we'll come back after the new year, Vision Sunday, excited about it, January the 7th, where we look back at God's faithfulness in 2023, and uh, we'll talk about our word for 2024 and get vision for the year. 21 days of prayer and fasting is what we do every January. This will be January the 8th through the 28th, and uh, so prepare yourself for that. Um, The reason we tell you in advance is because we want you to pray about it. Pray about what the Lord would have you do. And I'll go ahead and let you know, every year... Uh, we kind of set a baseline, if you will, and what we'll do is we'll fast things like caffeine and we'll have some kind of a food element if it's a Daniel fast or if it's a partial fast or complete fast, whatever that is for you. And, uh, and then we do things like social media and technology and really just kind of detach from things of the world, things that distract us so that we can focus on God um, at the first part of the year and really lean into Him. But with that being said, we always want you to do what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. And so I really believe that he will speak to you and he'll let you know specifically what it is that maybe he wants you to fast or to give up during that time as you take time to pray and be in his word. Uh, We'll have our prayer services during that time. It's just really going to be a great 21 days. And then that ends on the 28th of January with Give Big Sunday. We call it Give Big Sunday for two reasons, um, or for multiple reasons, but one of those is we, uh, we love what Jesus said when he just assumed that we were going to pray, we were going to fast, and we were going to give. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, and then he gives instruction on, on how they were to do those things. And so we start every year by doing that. So we have that weekend, we have what we call our Give Big Offering. There is no dollar amount that we're looking for or trying to get to or anything like that. The reason we do that is so we can honor God at the beginning of the year with our first and our best. And so we invite you to pray about it. And whatever the Holy Spirit puts on your heart, that's what we do. And I don't know what that is for you. And, and listen, if this is your first time here, you haven't been here in a long time, or, or you're like, oh man, we're talking about money. We, like, we don't like talking about money, but here's the thing. We're a church that does not mind talking about money. We don't talk about money very often, but we will talk about money, I promise you. Because, and here's the reason why. It's because God wants your heart. And the Bible teaches that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And God does not need your money. He has given you everything that you have. He does not need it. But what we do is we honor God. 
And the reason we say, like, here's the goal is 100% participation. Wouldn't it be awesome if everybody in the area of their finances honored God at the beginning of the year and said, God, I want your blessing on my finances. Whatever you tell me to do, I want to do. I want to honor you. And so we do that, and then we come back that night for a night of worship, and that's how we break the fast together is with a night of worship. It's always a powerful time. Um, and then the last thing I want to mention, uh, which seems far away, but it's not that far away, and I want to tell you about it now, is our grow group semester for the spring semester will begin the week of February the 4th. And the reason I want to tell you about that now is because if you're interested in leading a grow group, uh, you can go on that Church Center app right now and click on the grow group leader form, fill that out, uh, just a little bit of information, what you're wanting to lead on, who you are, contact info, that type of thing, so that we can go ahead and begin uh, seeing who's going to be leading. We don't do groups during the month of January. We focus on praying and fasting and all of those things, uh, but they will begin in February, and so we're going to go ahead and tell you about it now. So if you're interested in leading a group for the spring semester that begins in February, get signed up, uh, get your group registered online as soon as possible. And the last thing I want to do is pray for another church in the community. Today we're going to pray for Pathway Church of God. So will you bow your heads and let's say a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you as we always do for uh, the opportunity we have to be in this room and to worship you together with our friends and our family and other believers. And God, we thank you for uh, just the opportunity to build your kingdom alongside Pathway Church of God. Lord, we lift up their leadership and their pastor, their congregation. Congregation, We pray that you would bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So today we are wrapping up uh, our Christmas series that we called Characters of Christmas. Last week, we kind of took a break from it. Uh, Pastor Doug Reed was in, and wasn't that just an awesome message about the power of our words? If you have not, if you have not watched that, go on YouTube or on the Church Center app or on Facebook, wherever you uh, get content on the podcast, if you want to listen to the audio, and, and check out that message. I really think it'll bless you, and it's, it's a powerful word on the power of our words and the importance of our words. Uh, but, but in this series, we've talked about a couple of characters from the Christmas story, really two main characters in the Christmas story, Mary and Joseph. And we talked about Joseph in week one, and we said that Joseph was a man of integrity, right? That he, he not only wanted to do the right thing, he wanted to do it in the right way, and how we need to apply that to our lives. Like, it, it's important to do the right thing, but it's also important to do it in the right way. We said that he was a man of obedience, and how we need to be people of obedience, not just partial obedience, but full obedience, complete obedience, obedience all the way, and immediate obedience, and then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Mary and how Mary trusted God. And she said things like, I'm a servant of the Lord, even though she didn't understand what was going on. And the angel has just told her this news, and she doesn't really get it all yet. Uh, in that moment, she was like, I, God, I trust you. I'm your servant. May, like, whatever you say, let it happen to me as you've said it. And then we talked about how Mary praised God and, uh, before the miracle. Before, before anything happened, she had this praise inside of her and how we have this inside of us as well. And that we have to learn to be people who praise God before we see anything happen. In the middle of praying for something that we have a praise inside of us that we offer to God. God, even though I haven't seen it yet, I'm going to praise you right now anyway. I'm going to praise you before I see it happen. So we've talked about those things. And today, I, as we wrap up this series, I've titled the message. Uh, we've talked about the character of Joseph, the character of Mary. I want to talk about the blessing of Jesus. The blessing of Jesus. Now, Isaiah the prophet uh, if you've read Isaiah, there's a, the entire, I mean, there's so much about Jesus in the book of Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus came. And one of those things is in Isaiah 9, uh, he's prophesying about Jesus, and he says this in verse 6, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, I don't know about you, but has anybody ever experienced God in those ways? 
right, that he was, there was a season of your life where he was a wonderful counselor, and he was mighty God, and you saw him do miraculous things in your life and in, in your family or whatever. You, you know, you were, you were needing peace. I don't know anybody that's probably at church today or watching online right now that would say, I just don't need any peace. I mean, there's some days, some days we just wake up. Have you ever just woke up in the morning and it was like, I need peace right now. Like, I'm overwhelmed before the day starts. That, I mean, that happens to me. Where you wake up, and I'll tell my wife, I'm like, man, I just need prayer right now because I just need peace. I need the, and he is the prince of peace. He is the source of peace. Jesus said, it's not, I don't leave peace with you like the world gives. I'm giving you my peace. So we can actually access that. And so we're thankful for all of those. But another, another term that, uh, that we're familiar with when we think about Jesus is this, this term, this name, this title, uh, this word, Christ. And uh, it makes me think of, um, you know, the Mel Gibson produced or directed or whatever, The Passion of the Christ. And I remember when that first came out in 2004. And, uh, and I remember thinking, The Passion of the Christ. And I thought, that doesn't even, like, it doesn't sound like that's how it should be worded, right? It should be like The Passion of Christ. I had somebody, I had somebody say one time, they said, you know, for a long time, uh, they were like, you know, I always heard about Jesus Christ. And I just thought Christ was his last name, you know? It's like Jesus Christ, but the word, the term Christ, the reason it was called the passion of the Christ is because that is a title, that is, that is a name, that is something that goes with it, and I think we have, do we have that next slide? It's Jesus the Messiah, or Jesus the Anointed One, is what you're saying when you say Jesus Christ, and, and I think there are some things that because of what Jesus has done uh, for us, that we have access to some things. There are some blessings, if you will, that, uh, that we have access to, especially, uh, I say especially, it's important to understand this time of year, but we have access to them all year round. But I want to highlight some things today, and the way that I want to do this, um, uh, the way that I want to do this is I want to take the word, uh, the word Christ, and I want to use it as an acronym to kind of break down six different words that I felt like it was the last, I think it was the last week of November, when I was sitting in my office and I was reading, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just dropped this, this, uh, all of these words, and I just wrote them down real quick, and I sent them to my wife, and I thought, man, this is like, this God, when do you want to, when are you wanting to say this, you know? Because it just came all of a sudden, and I began studying it and putting it down, and and I want to, I'm going to do this fairly quickly because we're going to go through a lot of, a lot of information, a lot of scripture today, um, a lot of uh, sub points, underneath points, but I really feel like this is what. The Lord wants to speak to you today. And, and honestly, this is a reminder message. I, I really felt like I was on, when the Lord gave me this, or, or kind of put this idea in my heart, I really felt like I was on an assignment as we head toward the end of 2023 to remind us of some things. To remind us of some things that we actually have access to because of what Jesus has done for us. That maybe we haven't been accessing, but we have access to. And so here's, here's the first one, uh, the first of the six. Here's the first blessing. It's comfort. Comfort. Um, for some people, it's always, it's always interesting this time of year because um, if you, for those of you that know me, I know not all of you know me well, but, but for those of you that know me, you know that I love Christmas. I love the Christmas season. Uh, it's a very joyous time. I enjoy it. I enjoy the decorations. I enjoy the music. I enjoy just the, um, the atmosphere in the air. Uh, around this time of year, and just the songs about the birth of Jesus and, and all of that. But I also recognize that there are a lot of people that, that are hurting this time of year. 
um, you know, maybe you, you lost someone that you loved. And maybe it was around this time of year and you remember this time of year. It's kind of, you know, you kind of have that feeling with this time of year. Or uh, there's somebody that's not going to be at Christmas that maybe because like there's some kind of uh, fragment in the family, you know, and somebody's not coming this year or whatever. And so, uh, so you're hurting or somebody that's distant. Um, maybe, maybe we, you know, you don't have friends or family really to share it with, uh, or there's a painful memory from around this time or it, and even something personally, maybe that's going on with you right now, you know, in this Christmas season, you're walking through something and you're like, man, Christmas doesn't feel the same. I haven't enjoyed it. Like I normally do. Like it's really been a struggle for me this Christmas season. And I don't know where that lands with you. I don't know where we all are on that, but there are a couple of verses that Paul wrote in the context of suffering that I've had, I've actually had people um, encourage me with these verses, and I've had the, the honor of encouraging some other people with these verses, and I want to encourage you with them today, if you'll let me. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I want to read verses 3 and 4. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And so God is, God is a God who sees you, sees what you're going through, sees how you're feeling, sees what you're experiencing, and wants to provide comfort. In fact, it says that he is the God of all comfort. And I believe that God comforts in a, in a couple of ways, if we could say it that way. Here's the first one, is that he comforts us. There is a way that God himself uh, comforts us. Now, the verse that we just read, it says that God is the source of all comfort, which would imply that if you are looking anywhere else for comfort, you cannot find it. If God is the source of all comfort, if all true comfort comes from God, then if you're looking for it in other things or places, you can't find the comfort that you're really looking for because God is actually the source. So there is a way that God comforts us. And, and Jesus told us that one of the titles or the jobs of the Holy Spirit is that he is a comforter. Right? That word, that term, that name, it means things like advocate. It, it means one to come alongside. It means comforter. Now, can I ask you just a simple question? If Jesus said, you know, I'm going to pray the Father, he's going to send you another comforter. Why would Jesus say that I'm going to send you another comforter if you weren't ever going to need comfort? Like we, we, we can know just by that. It's almost like it's implied. Hey, like one of his names, one of his responsibilities, one of the things that the Holy Spirit's going to do when he comes to live inside of you is he's going to be a comforter. In other words, there are going to be times when you need comfort. There are going to be times when things are not going well or something happens and something tragic happens and you need comfort in your life and God is the source of all comfort. So God comforts us. Here's another way that I think we can receive comfort and it's that people comfort us. People comfort us. So in the same, in the same passage, it talks about how God is the God of all comfort and he comforts us so that we can comfort other people with the same comfort that we've received from him. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your life personally, or you've ever been able to give this comfort to somebody, but there have been times where we've been able to sit with people, and it's like, man, God is using us, or God is using you, or God has used somebody in our life to comfort us in seasons 
And, and here's, here's the difficult thing, okay? This is why, okay, so God wants to use people to come for you. This is why you have to let people in. I think, as I was preparing this and writing this message, it was like I could not get past this thought that there are some people who want to receive comfort in their life, but they have walls built up with people. And so when you're praying for comfort, I feel like it's like the, the Lord is saying, I, am, I want to comfort you through this person, but you're going to have to let them in. I want to comfort you through this group of people in your life, but you're going to have to let them in because that's how I want to bring my comfort into your life. So God can comfort us, and we know that to be true, but God will also use people to comfort us. He'll send people along our paths or people to our house or to, to sit with us, um, and we have to let people in so that we can be comforted, so that we can receive comfort in our lives. I love the line of, of the Christmas song, uh, where it says, good tidings of comfort and joy. And as I was thinking about that song, and just that one line of that song, I thought, you know, not, not only does God want us to have joy in this season and every season, but, he, but he, he wants us to have comfort. Not comfortable like you're sitting there not doing anything for the Lord, but comfort in difficult seasons. He wants you to know, hey, I'm, I'm the source of all comfort, and I can, I can work through people to comfort you in this way. So we can receive comfort in this season. Here's the second blessing. The second word is healing. Healing. So not only do we have access to comfort, I, I believe we have access to, to healing. Um, anyone ever struggled with sickness or disease uh, or some kind of illness in your body? Right? This, this would probably be everybody in the room. Like there have been times where, where you've, you've felt things, there's been something going on in your body and maybe, you know, maybe even right now you're struggling with that. Maybe it's been a difficult season for you because of something that's going on inside of you. And when Isaiah, the prophet, was writing about what Jesus would experience and what he would provide for us, this is what he said. This is Isaiah 53 and verse 5. It says, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. When Isaiah was saying, this is what... This is what the Messiah is going to do. This is what he's going to experience. This is what he's going to take on himself. This is what he's going to provide for all mankind. In that was that he was, he was beaten so we could be whole. And he was whipped so we could be healed. So when Jesus took your punishment and, and all of this on him by, by the beating and even when he was on the cross, I believe he paid for your healing. I believe that he paid for your healing. That healing, just, just as he paid for your sins and offered salvation, that by his stripes, by his blood, by his wounds, whatever your translation says, we are healed. Here's how Peter wrote it down. This is 1 Peter 2.24. says, he personally carried our sins in his body. Come on, are you thankful for that? On the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. And some of the more literal translations would say, by his stripes or by his wounds, you were healed. Like it's, al like it's already happened. Like it's already been done. That Jesus already paid the price for it, and, and it's something that we get to receive. 
Now, when you, anytime, anytime you talk about healing, there always comes the question. Because here's, here's the reality. Everyone in this room probably has somebody you can think of right now that you're like, I prayed for them to be healed, and I did not see them get healed. So why is that? And here's what I would tell you. I don't completely know. And, and the more, the longer that I walk with the Lord, the more I recognize that my ways are not his ways. And my thoughts are not his thoughts. And that his thoughts and his ways are higher than mine. And I, and I don't have to understand in order to believe. I don't have to understand. See, this is, this is our struggles. We want to be able to understand and touch it and, 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 and know exactly how it's going to turn out in order to believe. I can believe that God is a healing God. Well, why didn't that? I, I don't know, but I still believe that God is a healing God. And I've seen instances where he has healed people physically. And I've seen other instances where people have gone to be with him, which I would almost argue to some degree is still healing. <laughs> so I, I don't necessarily have all of the answers to all of the questions that we ask because we, we can't wrap our minds around, um, around God and, and everything about God. But here's, here's what I know. He's a healer. And his word says that by his stripes or by his wounds, you were healed. So I believe you can be made whole. You can, you can be healed. And I just want to encourage you today. I want to encourage somebody who may be growing weary because you haven't been healed in your body yet or you've been praying about it or whatever. Listen, I want to encourage you. God is a healer. So keep asking. Keep believing. Keep believing his word to be true. Because he is a healer. It is something that he does. God is a God who heals. In fact, I honestly, I pray that even right now as you sit in this room, that the healing power of God is working in your body. Even right now in this moment. That maybe you haven't seen it yet, but, but, he's, but he's working. And you will see it because he's a healer. And some of us, I think, maybe you just need to stand in the mirror every day and just look at yourself in the mirror and, and just be reminded of what God's word says and just say, I am healed. I am healed. God is my healer. Here's, here's the third thing, the third blessing, the third word is restoration. Restoration. Is anybody thankful today that our God is a God who restores things? I know many of us could could testify to the things that God has restored in our lives. Um, I don't know if you've ever really experienced things like, you know, maybe he restored a, he restored a marriage. Uh, maybe he restored your family. Maybe he restored your health. Maybe, maybe he restored your finances, right? You, you had gotten yourself in a mess, and, and you finally handed it over to God and said, God, I don't own any of this, and I want to be a better steward of it, and so you show me what to do. And as time went on, you saw God restoring and restoring and restoring and restoring, and he was restoring your finances, or he was restoring relationships. He was restoring that relationship with your child or whatever the case is. The, the reality is God can restore anything. 
and God is really good at restoring things. Um, I want us to look at some of the things that God can restore uh, in your life this season. Here's the first one. He can restore your joy. He can restore your joy. We went through the, we went through the series, Philippians, and we were in Philippians, um, especially toward the end, and, and we were looking at those verses where Paul says, rejoice. I'll say it again, rejoice. And I, I believe, that, I believe that, that there should be a joy that comes with serving God. That it, it, it amazes me how when you read about the, uh, the disciples in the Bible and the first church and how they would, um, and they rejoiced, they counted it as joy. James would say, count it all joy when you face many trials and all these things, like trials of many kinds, all these things that you're going to face in life. Like count it joy. The, the apostles would say like they, they were joyful that they had been, like that they were able to suffer. For the name of Jesus. I mean, it was, like they, it, was, it was like they got it. They understood it. That serving God is a joyful thing. And, and listen, God can restore your joy. God can restore your joy. Even if, even if this is a difficult season for you, even if there's, there's loss right now, even if things are still fresh for you right now, I'm just telling you, God can restore your joy. I love what David prayed. He said this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And make me willing to obey you. And I just think that somebody needs to believe again today that God can restore your joy. You really haven't felt joyful in a long time. And maybe this is the season that God's going to restore your joy. Here's the second thing about restoration is that he can restore what you lost. He can restore what you lost. We were down here in worship. I was thinking about all the things that that uh, that some of you may have lost, you know, that you maybe you've lost people in your life, maybe you felt like uh, the enemy has stolen things from you, or that you've uh, that you've lost, you know, even what we were talking about your joy. Um, one thing that that came to me when we were worshiping just for this service was just to remind somebody that God can restore dreams. That you had a dream at one time. And you've kind of let that thing go and you quit believing and it was like, well, it didn't happen and all this. And that God can actually restore, God, he can restore dreams in your heart. Um, Doug referenced Job last weekend and said, you know, he was talking about how Job is really not a great Christmas story to read. Job goes through a lot of things and, and, uh, and the devil, I mean, just takes almost everything from him. And then at the very end of, of the book of Job, it's in Job chapter 42, it says, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. And I just want to speak that over you today, if I can just do that, that whatever has been lost, God is really good at restoring things that are lost. You think about the prodigal son, and he goes off and he does his own thing, and then he finally comes to his senses. Some translations even say it that way, that he came to his senses and realized it would be better for me to be a servant in my dad's house than for me to be out here just doing this. It'd be better for me to just go back. And, and what we see is when he comes back, he's restored. He's not, he's not just brought in as a servant. No, he's restored like, this is my son. This is my son. My son that was lost, he came home. He's, he's been restored. God's really, really good at restoring things. 
even when we feel like all hope is lost and everything's too far gone, God can restore. God can restore. Here's the third thing is that he will restore everything. I love this verse. This is in Acts chapter 3, verse 21. It says, for he must remain in heaven, talking about Jesus, until the time for the final restoration of all things. As God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that there will come a day. Listen, there will come a day when God's going to make everything right. He's going to restore all things. And everything's going to be made right again. And we can be encouraged at the fact that not only, not only can God just restore things in your life, relationships, people, careers, jobs, things that have been taken from you, innocence, purity. God's really good at restoring things. And there will come a day when he will restore everything. And everything will be made right again. Here's the fourth blessing. It's identity. Identity. Too many times we, we try to find our identity in what we do and in our reputation. We try to find our identity in our status in the community, a job title, how well we do in school. I mean, I was, I was thinking about this even again this last week. And I thought, even, even like, this is a struggle, especially like career and different things like that. I mean, it's even a struggle. I have to remind myself that this is what I'm called to do, but this is not my identity. That at the end of the day, when I go home, I'm dad and I'm husband. And ultimately, I'm a son of God. And he's called me to pastor. But if I get, see, here's, here's where... Uh, Here's where we, I won't say go wrong, but here's where things kind of get troublesome in our lives, is when we are finding our identity in what we do or in our reputation or our status, when that is taken away, we don't know who we are because we didn't know who we really were to begin with. So when that gets pulled away from us, or we, if, our, if our identity is in making a lot of money, and we've always been able to make a lot of money, and so we've been comfortable because we can make a lot of money, and then one day something happens and money goes away, I don't know who I am because I never knew who I was to begin with. If my identity is in pastor, if my identity is in you know, manager, if my identity is in the things that I'm doing, then if I ever lose that, I fall apart. Because I thought I was under the false impression that that's who I was. But that's not who I am. And so my identity has to be in who God says that I am. And so I just want to remind you of a few things regarding your identity. Here's the first one. Is that you were purchased at a high price. You were purchased at a high price. There's, there's a passage. I want to read a couple of verses. And right in here, there's, there's a statement that uh, that I love and this is Paul and you wouldn't think like well this is a Christmas message why are we reading Paul's addressing sexual immorality in the church in Corinth but he says something right in the middle of these two verses it's, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 6 19 and 20 he says don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God you do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price so you must honor God with your body. Can I, just, can I just remind everybody today? You don't tell me that you're not valuable. 
Don't let the enemy tell you that you're not valuable. Because the word of God says that you were purchased with a high price. What is the high price? That God would send his only son to die in your place. Be raised to life again so that you could be dead to sin and live for him. You were purchased with a high, it was the blood of Jesus. In the Old Testament, there was to be, to, to, to have, you know, your sins taken away. There had to be a blood sacrifice. And, and, it's, and God said, I'm going to fix this. I have this plan, I've got a plan, I've had a plan from the very beginning. I'm going to send my son who's going to be the perfect sacrifice. And he's going to shed his blood so that nobody has to do that anymore. But they can receive salvation they can receive right standing with god they can receive what he does for them and he will take their sin away you were bought with a high 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 price so you ought to not in a prideful way but you ought to hold your head up high knowing that when i walk into my job when i walk into my home when i walk into this church when i walk into any environment that i'm in I was bought with a high price. This is, this is who I am. Here's the, here's the second one is that you are a child of God. Look at just this one verse, 1 John 3, 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. And I love how that is worded, because it's almost like John says, look at how much God loves us. He calls us his children, and that is what we are. It's not that he just calls us that. No, that is, that is who we are. We are his children. But the people who belong to the world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. When you know him, when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with your heavenly father through what Jesus did for you, you are a child of God. You are a child of God. And... and the enemy will try to convince you that you're not. He'll try to, you know, like, well, you know, and this is what he does. But this is what he, the, he, if there was one thing that I think the enemy is attacking so much, it's identity. When Jesus was in the wilderness, what did the devil say? If you really are the son of God, then do this. If you, if you really are, then you can make this happen. And he is getting, and maybe even you in this room today, he has caused you to question who you are. And this is, this is what our culture is dealing with. It's this question right here. Who am I? Because they're saying I'm this, and they're saying I get to choose, and the Bible says this, and when I come to church, I'm hearing this, and when I go over here, I'm hearing this. Who am I? And the enemy is like, exactly. Who are you really? Maybe you're this, maybe you're that, maybe you're, and we have forgotten. And listen, I'm just telling you, if you're a parent in the room, and I'm going to get off this soapbox in just a minute, but if you're a parent in the room, you need to be verbally, out loud, reminding your kids who they are. Because let me tell you something, everybody else is doing it. And you have the, like, you have the authority in your home to say, this is who God created you to be. And you ought to be, I love what Doug said last week about what he did with his son, where he was like, it was almost like with his kids, like calling out what God has put in them. Calling out what he's gifted them to do. Calling out who they are. And we need to be reminding our kids, and we need to be reminding each other, this is who you are. You're a child of God. You were bought with a high price. Number three, you are a new creation. 
2 Corinthians 5, 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Have you ever just read verses like this and you just read it? And you didn't stop to think about what that actually means for you? The fact that when I, okay, so when I gave my life to Jesus, like I became a new person. And the old is gone and the new has come. And now I'm no longer a slave to sin. But I'm free to live the way that God's called me to live. And sometimes we just read, we just, you know, just one year Bible reading plan. And we just read it. And we don't think about what it actually means for us. The fact that, man, I'm a, I'm a new creation. I'm a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. Or, or like this one, the, the fourth one is that you're God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's like when God formed you and shaped you. As I think it's Jeremiah who says, like you, you know, like I'm, uh, or David, I'm getting them confused in my mind right now. But David and Jeremiah talk about how we're beautifully and wonderfully made and how we were formed in our mother's womb and, and, and all these things. And it's like how God was creating you and then it's got, like God looks at you and he says, masterpiece. And when we look at ourselves, we don't see it. We see how we're not like the other person. We see how we're not like, like, well, I'm not like them as a parent. And I'm not like them. And here's what God sees. I made you exactly how I wanted you made. And I did not mess up. And I call you my masterpiece. And I created things for you to do specifically for you to do before you were ever born. And then I sent Jesus so that he could make you right with me so that you could enter a relationship with me and you could be made new so that you could then do the things that I created for you to do in advance before you were ever even born. This is what God did for you. And he says, you are, you are, my, you are a masterpiece. You're my creation. And what if we stopped looking to other people or our situations to tell us who we are and we were secure in who God says we are? We were just secure in this is, this is, who, God, this is who God says I am. And I'm going to be secure in that. And it's like, well, you know, I know, but my, you know, my coworkers every time, every time I walk into work, you know, they start talking about me and they start tearing me down or whatever. And, and maybe... Maybe you just need to learn this right here. Just, hmm. That's funny because I'm God's masterpiece. People start talking behind your back and you're just like, huh. That's interesting because I'm a child of God. And stop letting the enemy get to you over and over. And over and over again, trying to confuse you on who you are and get in God's word and realize, write it down. Get a note card out and write down every verse in the Bible that talks about who you are in Christ and put it on your mirror, put it in your Bible, put it on your nightstand, put it everywhere that you need it to be so that you can be reminded every single day, this is who I am. This is my identity. This is who I am. 
God wants to remind you of your true identity this season. Here's the fifth thing. It's strength. Strength. Maybe you, uh, anybody feel like you could use some strength? I was, as I was writing this, I was thinking that there are probably people in the room that you feel like you don't even have the strength to finish 2023. It's like everything you can do to get through the next 14 days. Like, I just want to, I just want to get, I've had this for the last, I don't know, maybe month or so. I've had, like, I felt like the Lord has really had this on my heart about finishing 2023 strong and not waiting until January 1st, right? Don't we usually wait until January? We're like, January 1st, I'm going to get in shape. January 1st, I'm going to eat better. January 1st, I'm going to make things right with that person. January 1st, I'm going to get my life together. January 1st, I'm always like, whoo, it's coming. You know, and you're counting it down. You're like, 15 days until January 1st. And then I'm going to, you know, all this is going to happen. And I'm like, why not now? Why not December 17th? Then no, today, I'm going to start being a disciplined person. Today, I'm going to start. I'm not waiting until January 1st. Even things as simple as like, well, January 1st, I'm going to start that Bible reading plan. What about December the 17th you started the Bible reading plan? And then you got to January 1st, and you were two weeks in, and you were going strong, and it was like, whoo, I didn't have to wait till January 1st to do it. I finished strong, so I entered into 2024 strong. But here's the thing, I, I think there are some of us that really, we really do, we feel like I don't have, I, like I don't have anything left to give. I, we, were, we were just talking this last week about everything um, in our lives and in our parents' lives and all the stuff that happened all in this year. All in this year, in 2023. And it'd be real easy to be like, you know, like, I'm ready for another year. <laughs> you know, like, something new. But man, it's like the Lord won't won't let it go inside of me that no you finish strong now i'm the same god now that i will be on january the first and you don't have to wait another 14 15 days to start like like something is magically going to happen at midnight on january the first and you're going to be disciplined you're going to have to work at it on january first same as you're going to work at it on december the 17th so why not just do it now Make the call now. Do the thing now. Get the membership now. Like, if God's telling you to do it, do it now. Don't wait until January the 1st to do it. Maybe, you know, I was thinking about another thing. You might find yourself entering into a new season of life that just requires new strength. Right? I was thinking about our, you know, one great example is when you have, if for those of us that are parents in the room, it's like our kids are... 14, 12, I got to think about it, 14, 12, 10, and almost 6. And I'm like, there's a different strength that's needed at 14, 12, 10, and 6 than there was at 9, 7, 4, and 6 months. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a different season. And there's new strength that is required for the season. There's some new wisdom that's required for the new season. And I think there's some of you, like, it, maybe it's a new job, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your marriage entering into a new season, and, like, you, you're like, I need new strength for this new thing that I feel like God's taking me into. Or maybe you've been leaning into your own strength, and you're trying to make things happen and do things that God didn't even call you to do. 
you're trying to be strong for somebody else in your life or and you're doing all this in your own power your own strength and i just think that some of us today we we just have to stop relying on our own strength to get us through and we need to receive the lord's strength psalm 28 and verse 8 the psalmist says the lord gives his people strength he is a safe fortress for his anointed king the lord gives his people strength isaiah 40 very popular passage of scripture verses 29 through 31 says he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion but those who trust in the lord will find new strength they will soar high on wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not faint ephesians chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 i love this i pray that from his glorious unlimited resources come on that's we could just stop right there I pray that from his, in other words, God has glorious, unlimited resources. No limit, all glory, like we can't even fathom. And I pray that from these resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts and you will trust in him. And your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Where does the strength that we need come from? I think that these verses, they kind of have two things in common. It's that strength comes from God and that trusting Him is a way that we access it. Strength comes from God and trusting Him is a way that we access that strength that can come from God. He says those who trust in the Lord receive strength. That, that your, your roots are going to grow down. You're going to trust in Him. Your roots are going to grow down into God's love and it's going to keep you strong. These statements that we just read, just pulling a few out from the verses we read, the Lord gives His people strength. He gives strength to the powerless. He empowers us with strength through his spirit. Trusting in the Lord brings new strength. Trusting Jesus causes our roots to grow, which keeps us strong. And listen, operating in our own strength is really trusting in ourselves. But operating in God's strength is saying, I trust in you. You're going to be my strength. I don't have to be my own strength. You're going to be my strength. And I'm placing my trust in you. Come on, and who do you trust more? Do you trust you more or do you trust God more? Sometimes our lives would say that we trust me more. And if you find yourself in that place, today's the day to make the shift and say, you know what, no, I'm actually going to begin to trust in God. I'm not going to trust in me. I'm going to trust in God. And I'm going to receive his strength for my life. Running our race in life, it requires God's strength and God's strength is accessed by trusting in him. And I really believe that, that some of you are going to place your trust back in the Lord. Maybe you've gotten off and you began trusting in your own, your own understanding and your own power and your own strength and your own abilities. And today you're going to begin to trust in the Lord again and he's going to give you new strength. And worship team, you can come back and help me out. Here's the sixth thing. The sixth word of the sixth blessing is truth. Truth is, is important for our lives, and um, you've probably heard this statement before. Maybe you've even made this statement before, but uh, in a culture that says, you know, like, find your truth. Find your truth. It reminds me of a verse in Judges, the very last verse in the book of Judges, where it says, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's a beautiful picture of you find your own truth. There really is 
a truth. There really is. And, and we've gotten caught up in trying to find our own truth. Well, what do I believe? Well, can I just lovingly tell you, like, and I mean this with all the love in the world, it really doesn't matter. If you believe something different than what the Word of God says, that's what's going to last. And at some point, you're going to find yourself in a mess or realizing, like, that didn't work out. We don't need to find our truth. We need to know the truth. And God really wants us to know the truth. Coming up with our own truth is what gets us in trouble, but submitting to the truth, it brings life. So what do we need to know about the truth? Just a few things as we wrap up. Jesus was full of truth. John 1.14 So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Some translations right there would say he was full of grace and truth. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And come on, because Jesus was full, he was full of grace and truth. Isn't it crazy to think of somebody who could be like all grace and all truth at the same time? Because normally in our experiences with people, it was like we meet gracious people and we meet truth people. You know what I'm saying? We meet people that they're like, you know, like full of grace and, and mercy and all that. And then there's other people we run into where it's like, well, I just tell it like it is. You know, when Doug said it last week, he said, no, you're not just telling it like it is. You're being mean. <laughs> like, Jesus told it like it was with grace. Like, let your speech be seasoned. So Jesus was full of grace and truth. And because he was full of truth, we can trust him. Here's the second thing. Jesus is the truth. John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And I think this is such a, this is such a powerful statement that Jesus made, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here's how I broke it down, if I can, if I can do this. This is how I feel like the Lord showed it to me. What is Jesus saying? I think three things. He says, I am the way to the Father. Right, so right after this, he says, no one can come to the Father except through me. You've got to come through. Well, maybe there's another, like, is there a detour? Is there another road? Nope, it's got to go through Jesus. You've got to go through Jesus. If you want to get to the Father, you've got to go through Jesus. You've got to go through faith in Jesus and what he did for you, and that's how you get to the Father. And I look at that, I'm like, that's direction. He was like, I'm, I'm showing you the way. I'm showing you how to get to the Father. You've wondered what the Father is like. You've wondered how to get to the Father. I am telling you, I am showing you right now, I am the way to the Father. You've got to go through me. There's only one way. He says, I am the truth. I'm the truth about the Father. If you, if you look up the word truth, um, it's kind of hard to explain, but this word, it means reality as the opposite of illusion. So it's like Jesus was saying, I am the reality of the Father. Like, this is what's real. Everything else is an illusion. So don't believe that. I am the truth. Look at me. Look at me. I am the way, the truth, and then he says, I am the life. In other words, I would say, I'm the life that comes from the Father. And this is the same word, it's used multiple times in Scripture, but it's also the same word that Jesus used when he said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give them life, and life to the fullest, or life in abundance, or however your translation says that, abundant life. This is the type of life that Jesus came to give us. And he says, I am that life. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And then here's... 
Uh, here's number three. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, and interesting that he's even called that the Spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. So the Holy Spirit, he's going to lead us into all truth. And then here's the last thing that I want to touch on and then we'll close. Is that knowing the truth sets us free. Knowing the truth sets us free. John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him. Can I ask you, do you believe in him? Do you believe in him? Then these can be words that you can take as Jesus speaking to you. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You are my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Listen, it's the truth that you know that sets you free. Not the idea of truth. It's the truth that you know. You will know the truth. Remain faithful to my teachings. That's how you're going to be my disciple and you're going to know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's the truth that you know that sets you free. Listen, God gave us Jesus so we would know the truth. God gave us the Holy Spirit so we would know the truth. God gave us his words so we would know the truth. Can I just tell you today, God does not want you to be confused about what the truth is. He has, I gave you Jesus. I've given you the Holy Spirit living inside of you. I've given you my written word. I've given you everything that I can give you so that you will know the truth and this truth that you know, which I... I would say it's the truth about him and it's the person who said I am the truth that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. God does not want you confused about what the truth is. Why? Because it's the truth that sets you free. God is like, I want you to know the truth so you can be free. I want you to be free. Will you stand today? I want to I want to pray for you. In, in fact, our prayer team can go ahead and come down and get ready. I know that um, there's probably one thing in every person that stuck out to you more. You know, if it was Man, I'm in a season right now where I really need comfort, and so that really spoke to me. Or I'm believing God for healing in my body. Or I'm struggling with who I am. I'm not sure who I am. Or I need strength. I need some things restored in my life. Or I need, I really need to know the truth. Like, I, I want to know God's truth. I don't know where, I don't know where it lands with you or what resonated more with you. But here's what I do know the Holy Spirit speaking to you if you'll let him right now he'll speak to your heart in fact come on why don't we just close our eyes for just a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit say Holy Spirit what are you saying to me through this message what are you speaking to me right now thank you Jesus God we thank you thank you, we thank you, we thank you that you are our comforter 
that you are our healer, that you are our restorer, that you've given us an identity, that you can be our strength, and you want us to know your truth. Lord, I pray that you would speak to every person, individually, what you want them to know. as we sing this song and we lift our hands and lift our voices to you, God, I pray if there's any person here who needs prayer, if it's for themselves, if it's for a relationship, maybe it's somebody else in their life that they want to stand in the gap for today to receive prayer on their behalf. Whatever it is, Holy Spirit, if there's anybody who needs prayer for anything, I pray that you would draw them for prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.